I invite your attention this morning to the book of Romans chapter 5 and beginning with the 19th verse. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture here. I want to give you a spiritual tool today. I, I hope to be able to place a spiritual weapon in your hand and transfer it effectively to your grasp so that you have something new, a new understanding to help you live for God, to live victoriously. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to concentrate our attention this morning on that statement, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And by the grace of God, I would like to preach to you on this subject, how grace abounds. I want to help us understand today how grace abounds. Could we lift up our voices unto him and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word. God, I thank you for the gathering of your precious people. Lord, we are so undeserving of your great love, but you have loved us with an everlasting love, which makes us love you even more. I pray today that there would be an anointing upon the preaching of the word. I ask, Lord, that you would visit us with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you will just sweep over this house with peace and joy and love. Hallelujah. And the goodness of your great nature. We give you all praise and glory. I pray for a special anointing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you this morning in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. We talk a lot about it. We sing a lot about it. We preach about it, teach about it, talk about it. We make it synonymous with other words. It seems to interact so effortlessly with so many words in our spiritual lexicon, but it's, it's something that we need to consider that it is really hard to put grace in a nutshell description. It is so multifaceted, it is so power-packed that it is, it is hard to just simply say, this here, this is grace. It, it touches so much. Sometimes we make it interchangeable with words like love and mercy and while there is a lot of grace in love and a lot of love in grace and a lot of grace in mercy and a lot of mercy in grace, they're not exact synonyms. The mercy of the Lord is compassion, the compassion and the pity of God. Often the mercy of God comes in the face of judgment. Often it, it, it 
it occurs when judgment is due and then God in his compassion for us and, and the way that the Lord pities us, he will, he will show mercy. Love, oh my goodness, I've spent the vast majority of my ministry trying to preach on love. I've, I've spent time trying to teach on love and study love and I, I want to receive God's love and I want to try to give God's love and by the, by the help of His Spirit, I, I hope that one day I can say I have, I have achieved by His help to love Him with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my strength and all of my mind. And, and yet love, oh my goodness, there's no way to put that in a box. The Bible does say that Paul's desire is that we would comprehend and know with all saints what is the breadth of His love. And the length of his love and the depth of his love and the height of his love. The love of God is so rich and it is so pure. The love of God is so precious. It is, it is truly hard to put it into words. Just infinite numbers of songs have been written about it and we haven't scratched the surface of properly explaining it. Finally, John the Beloved, who we know he was the Beloved because he told us he was the Beloved. He said, I am loved of God. And, and he finally, in his efforts to describe the love of God, even under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, finally just had to say, you know what, here it is. Let me just say, God is love. And so love and mercy and grace are all very interconnected with one another, but they have nuanced distinctions. There are, there are unique characteristics about each of these divine qualities, and they all have their root system in God himself. Mercy comes from God, and grace comes from God, and love comes from God. All of these beautiful qualities, they, they are rooted in the very essence and nature of of God himself. And so today, I, I want to just take a, take a shot at trying to say some things about the grace of God. The grace of God has a nuanced delineation about it from love and mercy in that it is, it is merely, here I say merely, trying to nutshell it, but, but it is his kindness. It is the kindness of God. It is the favor of God. It is the goodness of God. It, it is the graciousness of God. And it, 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 it may or may not be in the face of judgment, but, but it, it, it differs from mercy in that sense, that, that mercy is compassion of God and pity of God, and usually it is inferred that the individual who is receiving his mercy is in some beleaguered state, some de depraved and demoralized state, whereas the grace of God, yes, it has compassion in it, but, but it, is, it is his goodness, it is his kindness, it is his, it is his favor upon people. We, we, we use that word in our everyday language. You may have said to someone one time, hey, hey, can you do me a favor? And when you ask them, can you do me a favor, what you're saying is, I need you to do something for me simply out of the goodness of your heart. You don't owe me anything. 
I'm not going to be paying you for what I'm asking you to do. I, I, I actually am, am going to be putting you out. And, and I need to know before I ask this, are you up to that? Can you do me a favor? I just need you to run down and then you start listing the things you need done. And, and it's, it's something that you've not earned. It's something you haven't deserved. It's, it's something you're not going to be paying them back for. It's just favor. And that's, that's really the way the grace of God is. It's, it's God's favor. And none of us are worthy of the favor of God. Some people have called it the unmerited favor of God. And I will, I will say this. You and I are recipients of the unmerited favor of God. But, but grace itself is not unmerited favor. It's, it's just favor. But, but we receive it as unmerited favor because we do not merit that favor. But that favor came from God to the man Christ Jesus because the favor that was upon Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that favor is not unmerited favor. That favor was earned. That favor was earned through obedience. That favor was earned through a life of consecration. Your, the favor you and I received, we didn't get it because we earned it. We got it because Jesus earned it. But make no mistake, it was earned. Make no mistake, it was deserved. And so, so this favor of God, this this goodness of God. It is great. The Bible says it's great. It, it refers to it as great grace. And, and in one place it refers to it as sufficient grace. And we have found in our lives that, that there are some days where God's grace is great. It's just, it's, it's incalculable. It is so overflowing, the grace of God. And then other days... It feels like it's sufficient. It's there. Uh, but we describe it some days as great, and we describe it some days as sufficient. But every day, His grace is amazing. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. This passage of Scripture that we've read here today describes a dynamic it, it begins the apostle Paul said by one man's disobedience that's Adam many were made sinners but he said by another man's obedience many are made righteous that's Jesus that's the last Adam so the last Adam came to undo what the original Adam did so the original Adam was disobedient and because he was disobedient sin ran rampant but but then there was another man who stepped into the picture. That was the man Christ Jesus. That was God-man, a fest in the flesh of man. And he was obedient in the things Adam was disobedient in. And, and, and in his obedience, we are able to be made righteous. We are able to be made pure because he was obedient, not by our works of righteousness, but by his works of righteousness. We are able to be made righteous. And the Bible says that the law entered 
that the offense might abound. And, and what that means is that, that the law entered the picture because man didn't know what sin was. Man just decided what was good and bad and what was right and wrong and what was pure and what was evil. And so then the law entered so that man could understand what sin actually is because man was just blindly falling into sin and his life was in total chaos. So the law enters that the offense might become apparent to man. And man can look upon it and say, oh, I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't be killing folks, as it turns out. I guess I shouldn't be stealing what doesn't belong to me. I guess I shouldn't be committing adultery. I, I guess I shouldn't be coveting what belongs to my neighbor. And so the law gives man a delineation and says, this is sin and this is righteousness. This is good and this is bad. And the law was the first time man actually was able to look on tablets of stone and see, this explains everything. I couldn't figure out why I was so depressed and why I was so messed up and why my family was tattered and torn. And this is also, uh, subsequently, why the devil does not want preachers preaching against sin. Because if preachers preach against sin, man's eyes will be open to what the problems are in his life. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can take every one of your issues and you can tie them back to somewhere sin wreaked havoc in your mind or in your family or in your home or in your life somehow. The Bible goes on to say that where sin did abound, Grace did much more abound. And I want, to, I want to take a moment and just look at that because the fact of the matter is that sin has an abounding ability. It, it, it multiplies. It, it spreads like a cancer. And I, I feel sorry for those who do not yet hate sin. Because you are in for a rocky and turbulent life if you don't yet hate sin. Oh, I know, I know you, you know it's not good. I know that you know it's probably not a great idea to participate in it or to act upon it. But, but, but that's just your conscience. I mean, that's just common sense. That your life will continue to be in total ruins until you hate that thing. And the only thing that's going to make you hate it is when you reap of it. And that's why I feel sorry for you. Because the reaping of the wages of sin is death. Something in your life is going to die. Something in your heart, something in your relationships is going to, is going to die. And, and it's all because of sin. I, I would to God that we could preach you up and out of the sinful lifestyle that you're living. And we don't say it with condemnation because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I will tell you there's something glorious that happens when somebody finds out that sin is the problem and they hate it, they abhor it, and they walk away from it. That's called repentance. And something glorious, in fact it's so 
powerful of a thing repentance is. It's so wonderful a thing repentance is that when it happens, all of heaven rejoices over just one sinner that will step away from the deadly toxin of sin. But when you continue in that sinful life, it's, 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 like, it's like swimming in shark-infested waters. It's like carrying around a, a, a diamondback rattlesnake. It's, it's, like, it's like drinking gasoline. It's, it's, it's literally, it's, it's like handling radioactive material without a hazmat suit. You are doing the most dangerous, destructive uh, uh, actions when you participate in sin and I, I would to God we could pray you to hate sin and preach you to hate sin and love you to hate sin and worship you to hate sin somehow motivate somebody to get up and say no for the good of my soul for the good of my family for the good of my marriage for the good of my peace of mind for the salvation of my children I'm going to walk away from sin. Oh, I know the world celebrates it and you've got one devil after another that'll tell you everybody's doing it. Don't listen to that preacher. I want you to know it's a narrow way. You're not going to find the media talking about how great this narrow way is. You're not going to find politicians talking about how great this narrow way is. You're not going to find corporate sponsors talking about how great this narrow way is. There's not a lot of money in how great this narrow way is. But I want you to know that broad way leads to destruction. And it is the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Oh, I'm going to stay on this for just a second longer. It's about time that you get off that way of the transgressor. The way of the transgressor is hard. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. I want to remind somebody that holiness is a highway. Hallelujah. It's a highway. It lifts you up above the fray it's not to the left it's not to the right it's not even the middle of the road it's a highway called holiness and none can go up there but the pure in heart walking up that king's highway if you're not walking then start while I'm talking Walking up the king's highway, angels beside me, always there to guide me. Walking up the king's highway, I've made up my mind, ladies and gentlemen. You can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I don't want it. I don't want sin. I don't want the lust of the flesh. I don't want the lust of the eyes. I don't want the pride of life. I don't want the love of money. I... I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I hate it. God hates sin, not because he's a hater, but because sin separates you from him. God hates sin because he loves us. And, and, and as long as we have sin in our life, then it separates us from God. Oh, but if you'll walk away, oh, hallelujah, walk away, turn your back on it, 
Step away from it. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. I'm going to go ahead and quote a scripture to you. Are you ready? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I rebuke the intimidator who's telling you you could never live holy before God. You could never be righteous before God. I rebuke that lying spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. God made you to be holy. God made you to be pure. God made you to be righteous. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh yes, and I know I'm talking about sin, but that's not really what I came to preach about. I just want you to know, sin is a cancer. Sin is a toxin. Sin is a deadly poison. Sin is a horrible, vile thing. Sin, sin is so sinister that it, it is exactly what your fallen flesh wants, and it is full of death. That's a, that's a difficult combination. Your flesh wants it, and it is jagged with death. That's a difficult combination. And so you have to understand the terrible, terrifying, poisonous nature of sin in order to understand how beautiful this verse is. That Paul said where sin did abound. As bad as sin is, grace is that much greater. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. No, those are two different words, those words abound. When it says where sin abounded, that word it means abound. It means to be plentiful. It means to, to be excessive. But, but when he said grace did much more abound, that means superabundance. It, it actually has the word hyper in it. Hyperabundance. Grace does much more superabundantly exceed anything you've ever known where sin was excessive grace is that much more excessive grace favor the kindness of God the love of God the mercy of God the goodness of God the gentleness of God I, I, I came across this great scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and I loved it the, 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 the Lord says my doctrine shall drop as the dew he said, my, he said, it'll be like the small rain upon the tender herbs. I love that about God. Because listen, we're apostolic Pentecostal. We like, we like it loud and we like it strong and we like it, we like to clap loud, we like to stomp loud, we like to dance loud, we like to shout loud because God's been so good to us. We just love making the joyful noises unto the Lord. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that for those tender herbs who don't have a lot of stalk yet, who haven't been strengthened with bark around their trunk, that haven't grown up a lot just yet, his doctrine will drop as the dew. You know, the, you know how the dew drops? The dew drops and you don't even know it arrived. You just walk out in the morning and you step out into the grass and think, I didn't know it rained last night. 
it was so still, it was so small, it was so careful that it just moved upon those tender herbs with such a grace, such a gentleness, and such a goodness that they didn't even know what was happening, but they were receiving everything they needed from the presence of the Lord. That's the grace of God. God knows what you need. He knows where you are, and he will breathe upon you with a gentle wind if you need a gentle wind and a mighty rushing wind if you need a mighty rushing wind but he knows how to give you what you need he's a good God he's a gracious gracious God the tender mercies of the Lord are for the tender herbs us having a tender heart is the grace of God in us for the tender herbs God is so good. His grace is so plentiful. It's so excessive. And where sin abounded, grace abounds that much more. And it's just such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. Grace is very active. The Bible says that grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Hallelujah. And, 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 and it, it's, it, uh, Paul said it abounds. And in another place, Peter said it multiplies. In one place, we were told by the Apostle Peter that we can actually grow in grace. Grace grows. Grace multiplies. Grace abounds. In one place, the Bible said it is the manifold grace of God. There are many folds. There are many layers to this grace of God. You, you might have started out with that many folds of the grace of God, but as you live for Him and as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the folds just start adding up and adding up and adding up, and it's one layer of goodness and one more layer of gentleness and one more layer of His kindness and His favor. I'm going to tell you something, folks. God has done me so many favors. I could never stop serving him. Let me tell you something. If I ever stop serving him after how good he's been to me, I would be of all men most wretched. He's been too good to me. All my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so so good. I don't have the words to tell you how good the grace of God is. I, I don't know how to preach it. I, I feel frustrated trying to preach His grace because His grace is too good to describe. His grace is too good to articulate. It reaches to the lowest depth. It ascends to the highest height. It, it, it goes wherever it needs to go to be good and to show favor and to show kindness. And where sin abounded, His grace does much more abound. It abounds and it multiplies and it is manifolds and it is, it is growing and growing and this is just the way the grace of God is. My question is, how? How does grace, how does it abound? How does grace multiply? How does it grow? How do you, how do you get that to grow? What, what kind of a treatment do you have to put on grace to get it to grow and to multiply and to be manifold and to abound? There is a way. I, I want you to understand 
that the, the, the way that grace abounds is that God gives grace. And I want you to understand this. God giveth more grace. Hallelujah. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I need grace to fight my battles. I need grace to make it through the day. I need grace to be able to overcome the wicked one. I need grace to have walls fall. I need grace in my life. And I, I want somebody to understand this morning that all the grace you need, God will give you the grace you need. And when you need more grace, he'll give you more grace. But not everybody is going to see grace abound the way grace can abound. Grace is reserved for one special group of people. One special group of people. And you say, oh, wait a minute. I thought grace was for everybody. Oh, oh, it, it, it is for everybody. You say, I didn't know I had to do anything for grace. No, no, no. You have to understand something. It's not so much what you do. It's what you, it's what you don't do. See, here, here's who grace is for. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. I just quoted a scripture to you that said, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. That's, that's from the book of James. And, and when James said that, you have to understand, before he said that, he said this. He said, He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you who gets grace. The humble get grace. You say, well, how do I become humble? Here's what you got to understand. Becoming humble is not something you do, but it's something you allow God to do. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus said. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. I'm going to tell you how you become humble. You take his yoke upon you and you learn of him. Becoming humble happens when you walk with Jesus every single day. You don't make yourself become humble. If you try to make yourself become humble, you will become proud of how humble you are. You ever meet those folks who are so proud of how humble they are? I'm just so proud of how humble I am. They brag about never boasting. Because they're trying to accomplish it. You can't accomplish this. This isn't something you can flip a switch on. You can't deprive yourself of so much that you become humble. You can't have such a downcast face that you become humble. The only way you and I can become humble is to walk with him, walk with him, walk with him, walk with him, walk with him. The, the first, let me just tell you something. This is where grace comes from. Grace comes upon the humble. 
He doesn't give it to everybody. He gives it to the humble. He doesn't give it to the proud. He doesn't give it to the arrogant. He doesn't give it to the one who feels that they have it all in place. No, he gives grace to the humble. The first time we read about the word grace is in the story of Noah. Noah was living in a world where sin abounded to a degree you and I cannot even fathom. The Bible says that the thoughts of every man were only evil continually. Only evil continually. That's the world where Noah lived. And the Bible says that while Noah lived in this world where everybody was a sinner and everybody was a murderer and everybody was a thief and everybody was a burglar and everybody was, everybody was filled with violence and rage, that was Noah's world. And the Bible said he found grace. And the way that he found grace, we understand the scripture teaches us he was a just man. He was perfect in his generations and he walked with God. When you walk with God, you begin to learn of him. You learn of him. Here's how you walk with God. You get up in the morning and you talk to him. Huh. Come on, when you get up in the morning, say, thank you, Jesus. The very first words out of your mouth ought to be, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning and starting me on my way. Lord, show me the path I should walk today. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Forgive me of all my sin. Lord, purify my words and purify my motive and purify my heart. Let me walk with you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Too many of us are letting Jesus follow us instead of us following him. I had the Lord rebuke me one day. I, I felt the Lord say, Joel, are you a Jesus follower? And I, I said, well, I hope. I thought I was till you just asked me if I was. I kind of feel like you're about to show me how I'm not. And I said, Lord, I want to be and I hope to be. And he said, then where are you? Because he said, I'm... And he listed where he was ministering to a certain person. And I realized, oh my goodness, I have been so the master of my agenda that I have God following me instead of me following him. I, 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 I don't, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to call today? Who do you want me to pray for today? What do you want me to say today? Hallelujah. How do you want me to give today? How do, me, how do you want me to sacrifice today? Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. When you walk with him, you become humble in his presence. I don't know. There's just something about walking with somebody who has the power of the world in their hands. There's something about walking with somebody who stretches the north over the empty place and hangs the earth upon nothing and binds the waters in his garment and, and has the power of the galaxies in his breath. And, and something about walking with him kind of humbles us down. 
We don't feel as high and mighty when we're walking with him. We don't feel as arrogant and brash when we're walking with him. We don't feel like our opinion and our conjecture is as as rock solid when we're walking with him. And humility is a part of that walk. It's, It's not even something you do. It's just something that starts happening. And all of a sudden, your words soften and your speech... The scripture says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man, because you've been walking with Jesus, learning of him, and you realize what he does when somebody comes against him. He doesn't react the way you react. He doesn't respond the way you respond. You just keep your eyes on him. Watch him. Hallelujah. When he's done, they're not lacerated. They're healed. When he's done, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Simon Peter said, I would never let anybody wound you. Nobody's going to betray you. And Jesus said, you don't understand the things of God. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to let them bruise me. I'm going to let them wound me. I'm going to let them betray me. I'm going to let them crucify me till I give up the ghost and die. That makes no sense to us, but just learn of him. Learn of him. Learn of him. Watch him. Watch him. Walk with him. Just walk with him. Come on, just walk with him. And when you see him breathe his last breath, and you see him him bleed that last drop, and you see that, that giving up of the ghost. And then the sun goes dark. And the ground begins to shake. And the veil and the temple is rent in twain. And you hear somebody over your shoulder say, Truly, this was the Son of God. Now I know... I learned of him. I learned of him how to let my flesh be crucified until others come to know who Jesus is. I learned of him by walking with him how to let myself be humble. Hallelujah. Not because of all of my great efforts at being humble, but because in walking with him, I learned of him. There's nobody greater to learn of than Jesus as to how to be humble. Nobody. Do do you know that that graciousness has to do with stooping down? It has to do with leaning over. and, and, And nobody stooped as low as God. Do you know how low he went? Do you know that God was manifest in the flesh of man? Do you know that he was obedient unto death? Not just any death, even the death of the cross. Do you know that he descended into the lower parts? Do you know that he preached to the spirits in prison? Do you know that he came up with death, hell, and the grave, the keys in his hand? Do you know how low he went? Tell you, when you walk with him, you'll realize you can go lower and lower and lower. I know we're all trying to go higher and higher and higher, but you walk with him long enough and you'll realize it's not about going higher, it's about going lower. Hallelujah! It's about going lower. The apostle Peter said, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Hallelujah. Somebody said it's God's job to exalt you and it's your job to abase you. 
And if you insist on doing God's job, he'll have to do yours. It's not about being exalted. It's about humbling yourself and, and, and coming away from all your preconceived notions. Coming away from all your bitterness. Coming away from all your traditions that you have manufactured and have such confidence in. Walk with Jesus and learn of him. When the apostle uh, Paul began to explain to us just how, the, how his walk with God operated and his position in the church. Look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 9 and 10. I, I just want to point some, some things out in this passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at verse number 9 and 10. Verse, let's say verse, uh, uh, verse number 9 says this. For I am the least of the apostles. All these apostles, these great apostles, and the apostle Paul said, I am the least of these apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But notice verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. That's what he was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm so low, he said, that I'm the least of the apostles. And I don't even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But that's how low I am, he said. I am the least of the apostles. By the time he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he had already dropped lower than that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. See, grace is present in all of these revelations given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me. Remember, he told us in the Corinthian letter that he was the least of the apostles. But to the church at Ephesus, he said, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Uh-oh, he's dropping. He used to be just the least of the apostles. Now he's less than the least of all saints. He was number 12 before. Now, whoever's least among the saints, he's lower than them. He's less than the least of all saints. The more he grew in God, the lower he went. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it's because it's when you walk with Jesus, you start seeing how pure and how holy and how precious and how true and how righteous he is. And it's such a difference from him to you that it just makes you realize I'm lower, I'm lower, I'm lower, I'm lower. He, he, he goes on to say, I am the least, less than the least of all saints. Unto me, of all people, unto me is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a later epistle. The earlier epistle was 1 Corinthians. The, 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 the next epistle was to the church at Ephesus. But now this is a later epistle. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
Notice what the word of the Lord says in verse number 14. The grace, there it is, of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He keeps dropping lower, Brother Wilson, lower and lower. He's about to die. He's not far from, he's not far from going to meet the Lord. And here he's saying, I'm the chief of sinners. He went from being the least of the apostles. The more he grew in God, he was less than the least of all saints. The more he grew in God, he was the chief of sinners. Because that's what humility will do. It will make you understand your total and utter reliance upon God Almighty. And when you have that, he will give you grace. Grace. Hallelujah. I don't want talent. I want grace. I don't want ability. I want grace. I don't want skill. I want grace. I don't want, listen, all that stuff will come if God will give me grace. I need grace. Hallelujah. I don't need money. I need grace. I don't need riches. I need grace. I don't need power. I need grace. If I've got grace, I've got everything I need. I can subdue principalities and powers if I've got the grace of God going before me. I want you to know it was grace that brought down the walls of Jericho. I want you to know it was grace that shut the lion's mouths in the Daniel's lion's den. I want you to know it was grace that showed up in that fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children. It was grace. It was the favor and the kindness and the goodness of God. Grace be multiplied. Grace be manifold. Grace grow. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is sufficient for you and for me. Somebody lift your hands to him right now and thank him for his amazing grace. Could you lift your voice unto him right now and thank him for his amazing, amazing grace. Hallelujah. I want you to know that everything you need, you're going to find in the goodness of God. In that grace is deliverance from that addiction. In that grace is the solution for your marriage. In that grace is the solution for your troubled mind. It is the grace of God. It is the grace of God. Hallelujah. That will come to you when you repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways. It is the grace of God. Hallelujah. That will come with you into these waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and wash away your sins. It is the grace of God that will come to you when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody stand to your feet with me right now in the name of Jesus. If our musicians could come in the name of the Lord, stand with me. Lift up your hands unto him. Lift up your voice unto him. I want somebody who knows the grace of God to give him praise for it right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to walk with him. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to walk with him. Hallelujah. Some of you are trying to run and you haven't started walking. 
Some of you are trying to fly and you haven't started walking. There's something about the daily walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just hold his hand right now. Could you just lift up your hand to him right now? Walk with him. Walk with him in the name of the Lord. Walk with him. Come on, we're going to leave this house today different than when we arrived. We're going to walk with Jesus. He'll go with you into the valleys. He'll go with you into the dark shadows. He'll go with you into the places of, 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 of distress and turmoil. If you walk with him and you can learn of him as you walk with him. Hallelujah. And you will learn humility and meekness and lowliness from he who is greater than all. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That's what Peter said, this man who shared with us that grace can be multiplied. This man who shared with us that God giveth grace to the humble but resisteth the proud. This man, Peter, this is what he said when he had gone to the house of Cornelius and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and he said in Acts chapter 11 when he was called in before the elders, they contended with him and said, you went in among those who were Gentiles and you ate with them. Who do you think you are, Peter? And Peter struggled with that himself. He didn't even want to go because he knew what he would face in form of persecution. But he stands before those elders and he said, listen, he said, God told me to go. The Spirit bade me to go. I went into that house and I preached Jesus. I preached Jesus crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And he said, and, and, and then while I was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them and they began to speak with other tongues. Just like you and I began to speak with other tongues, Peter said. And then this is what he said. He said, what was I that I could withstand God? I'm going to tell you how this whole world turned upside down in the ministry of the apostles. Because all of those men believed that statement. Who am I to withstand God? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves this morning. Who are we to stand against what God is doing in our life? Come on, get out of the way right now. And let God move in your family. Let God move, hallelujah, in your home. Hallelujah. Walk with Him. Walk. If you've never repented, repent today. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today is the day to be baptized in Jesus' name. Humble yourself and be baptized in His name. Let it fill you with His Spirit. Hallelujah. Grace. Grace comes. Grace is multiplied. Grace is manifold. I, I, there are times that I will walk in this world and live this life. And there will be blessings that come my way. Blessings of sweet joy and peace. And I will know. These don't, not just that they don't have anything to do with me, but they're not even... Anything related to me, I can tie them directly back to a great-grandfather who found grace in the sight of God. And, and those blessings flow all the way down. And I'm just standing here, and all of a sudden, favor out of nowhere. Oh, 
I want to give that to my little grandbaby. I want to give that to my great-grandchildren. Hallelujah. Brother Williams passed that on to his family. You can pass that on to your family. Can you do it right now? Just say, Lord, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to be humble, but help me walk with you. Show me. Teach me. Let me learn of you. Let me learn of you. And let your grace come upon me. Let your grace come upon me, oh God. In the name of Jesus. I'm opening these altars right now for somebody to come in the name of the Lord and say, God, I need you to show me. I need you to lead me. I need you to teach me. I want to learn of you. I want to learn of you. God, I don't want sin in my life. The wages of sin is death. I don't want sin in my life. I, I want to turn from sin. Help me, Jesus. I want grace to abound. I want favor to abound in my family. I don't want to live under the curse of sin. I want, to, I want grace to abound in my home. I want, I want grace to abound in my marriage. God, I want my children to be blessed. I want my grandchildren to, to be blessed. I, I want the favor of God. Hallelujah. I want the favor of God. Lord, I don't know how to be humble, but you can help me be humble. Yes, Lord. Teach me your ways. Come on, somebody. That's it. There are more that need to come. That's it. Lord, teach me thy ways. Come on, somebody with that prayer. Bring it to God and say, Lord, teach me thy ways. Let me depart from evil and let me seek peace and pursue it. Let me depart from evil. Let me seek peace and pursue it. Oh, yes, is greater than all my sin. Grace, grace, God's grace, God's grace. Come on, I can feel grace abounding right now. I can feel grace multiplying. I can feel His goodness multiplying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on in. Don't live in your sin anymore. Step away from sin. Step away from sin. Step away from unrighteousness. Step away from ungodliness. God's grace. Grace that is great. Grace that is greater than all my sin. All my
If you need something today, I want you to reach out to God for it right now. Reach out to God for it right now. What you need is grace. You need grace. You need favor. You need the kindness and the goodness of God. And say, Lord, if there's anything in me preventing me from walking with you fully, take it away. Remove it from my spirit. Remove it from my heart. Remove it from my habits in the name of the Lord. Come on all across this house. Let the grace of God sweep over you. Let the grace of God sweep over you in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands unto him. Lift up your voice unto him. Oh, God, God's grace. Grace that is greater. is great. 